Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Thank you, the X's and O's of all things fantasy. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to the show in our second week. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, of course, going into week four of the NFL season. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. A big thank you to all of MD Nation tuning in for today's show. And, of course, WWSRN for allowing us back for another week. Also presented by Belly Up Sports. You can always follow us on social media at BellyUpMDFF. Show for all his player news, update, notifications. And, man, do we have some news to talk about today. I thought it was going to be a very typical show. A very typical Thursday show, which a typical Thursday show, in case you're new joining us, normally means that we are going to go over the early matchups of that week. So in this case, the early matchups of week four, the Thursday night game and the early window of games on Sunday. Analyze that, talk about some player news, talk about some injuries, what we expect for the week. And all that's going to be included in the show, including the mailbag segment, which all you have to do to get on, by the way, is call up the MD Nation hotline at 609-362-2480. You can hit us up on social media, again, at bellyupmdffshow, or you can email us directly, mdsfantasyfootball at gmail.com. But we have to start the show today talking about the Tennessee Titans and the Pittsburgh Steelers. We have to start the show by talking about the first COVID breakout of the NFL. Thankfully, I almost want to say miraculously, only the Titans suffered the breakout. Minnesota Vikings still, as of this morning, not one player has tested positive. Not one personnel staff has tested positive. They reopened their facility today. So this really, you don't want to see this at all. But being the pandemic that we are living in currently, I would say the silver lining is the fact that it took until week four and the fact that when it happened, it only happened to a small amount of players and it only happened to one team. They played the Minnesota Vikings, and no one got COVID. I mean, remember baseball when the Marlins, I forget who the other team that was they were playing off the top of my head at the moment, but they got exposed as well. They wound up having a mini outbreak on their hands as well because they played the Marlins. And baseball, you're more social distance in baseball than almost any other team sport out there. In fact, you are more social distance in baseball than any other team sport out there. So the fact that none of the Minnesota Viking players tested positive for COVID, I think is a a big positive. 
Now, for the Titans side of the ball and for the Pittsburgh Steelers side of the ball, obviously they're going to go to a bye week. We're hoping to be Monday. We're hoping to be Tuesday, but they had one other player, and I believe at one other personnel staff as well, test positive from the original group. So they decided to go ahead, and they're just not going to have the game this week. And they're just going to have their bye week a week, you know, a few weeks early for them. We don't know exactly what the schedule is going to be, when they're going to be able to play their game. The expectation is that they will play their game. But the Titans had a bye in week seven, and the Steelers had a bye in week eight. So I'm not exactly sure what they're going to do, how they're going to make that work. I wouldn't be surprised if it was something along the lines of a Thursday night doubleheader. It would have to be something something of that sort. And I would think, I would think it would have to happen somewhere between week seven and week eight when their bye weeks were. So I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work as of yet. And of course, if you, you know, you stay with us on social media, we'll update you as we get information on that as well. But obviously, automatically, you have to take out your Titans players. You have to take out your Steelers players. And I was, that's pretty much what I've been doing this entire morning is scrambling to update the rankings. I updated the rankings last night on bellyupfantasysports.com. I had to go back before we kicked off this show to make sure everybody was in their correct place for now. I mean, I update these rankings all the way through Sunday, but I like to have the first draft at least done before the Thursday night game. So you at least have some idea of where we're valuing these players going into the week. Doing pretty well in the Fantasy Nation expert uh, contest, by the way. So I had to pretty much scramble and take all the Tennessee players out, take all the Steelers players out. How does that affect all the other positions and everything like that? So that's pretty much what I've been doing this entire morning. So we are up to date. When we talk about the rankings on the show, we talk about it from a half-point PPR standpoint. Now, if you want to check them out for a standard or full point, just go to, again, to bellyupfantasysports.com, and you'll be able to do that. So that's the big news. That's how it's going to work. It's going to be a bye week. Whatever week they wind up playing in, the points that they score will count towards that week. And really, this shouldn't be... I mean, it's annoying because it happened later in the week and you were setting up your team, setting up James Conner, you're setting up, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, you're setting up Derrick Henry to be able to go this week. You weren't expecting not to have them for week four, but this was going to be the first year that there wasn't going to be a bye week week four. I mean, that's why we talked about this year when you were drafting, you actually had to kind of keep in mind, there's going to be certain players are going to be a bye week week 13, the last game of the fantasy football regular season, which usually has big implications as to who's going to break into the playoffs. The bye weeks were a bit of a storyline heading into the season. There's normally bye weeks in week four. So in some ways, it feels kind of normal-ish. That's just, you know, just the way it happened. It kind of screws up your strategy. So we'll go through. We'll talk about some of these fantasy value guys. We'll talk about some guys that you might be able to pick up, try to help fill your spots the last second. The biggest thing is don't panic. There's going to be vultures in your league who are going to want to come to you and make trades with you. Like, oh, all of a sudden you're out this week. You're sitting at 0-3. You're desperate for a win. Let me try to get you some active players for this week. Whatever they're offering you is probably a buy low. Now, if somebody comes along and offers you a nice fair deal, there's no trade that's ever off the table if the value is fair and if it makes your team better. But most likely, that's not going to be the case. They're going to try to take advantage of the situation, try to catch you in a panic. Do not panic. That is my advice to MD Nation out there listening and watching the show right now on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. So, Keep that in mind moving forward. It's probably already happened. I mean, it's Thursday, so trades are probably even made. But now the word is official. They are definitely not going to play this week. I think today, tomorrow, Saturday, you're going to see a lot of that. If you're 0-3, don't panic. If you're 1-2, don't panic. Still a lot of season left to be played. 
So that'll bring us now, we can kind of get into the normal activity of this show, and we can start talking about the Thursday night game. And what a doozy of a game it's going to be. The Denver Broncos and the New York Jets. Talk about a prime example of why fantasy football really does help the NFL. Who is watching this game unless you have Melvin Gordon or Denver's defense? or maybe one of the Bronco wide receivers. Who else is watching this game? We don't have to spend a lot of time on this game, and we won't. Here's what we'll break down. Melvin Gordon, he's a top three running back for us. He was actually a top four when we had to take Connor out of the ranking, so he winds up being a number three running back overall for us this week. It's the New York Jets. They're starting, the Broncos are starting Brett Ripon. Jerry Jew's a little banged up. They don't have Cortland Sutton. They're going to be able to control this game. We saw what happened. The Jets have been absolutely horrible against running backs. Philip Lindsay is going to be inactive again today, most likely. He's doubtful. It's not official yet, but we're expecting that word any moment now that he's probably not going to play. So Melvin Gordon's going to be the bell cow back in a great matchup in a situation where the offense is going to be built around him to move the football. So, yeah, he's going to be a top five guy. Noah Fant. We love Noah Fant. Not that you were thinking about benching Noah Fant, but just to give you another extra boost of confidence, Noah Fant comes in as our number two tight end on the week. Again, he is probably going to be the most targeted pass catcher in this offense. He's the most veteran one. He's a great mismatch, and I don't see anybody on the Jets who can stop him. I'm not going to play Jerry Jeter, KJ Hamler, if I can help it. You might be in a situation now with the unexpected bye weeks with some of the injuries that we're still waiting word on. Maybe you find yourself in a place where you need to play Jerry Judy. We do have some some confidence in playing him. He does come inside of our top 24, so technically in 12-man leagues, he does come in as a low-end wide receiver too, but there is a lot of risk there. I mean, that that's purely based on the matchup here. It's purely based if you're in half-point, full-point PPR leagues, Jerry Judy getting seven, eight targets in this game, which is possible. Uh, should result in at least a nice high floor for you heading into this matchup. That's what we would expect. But he does, he's not going to, again, he's not going to have that huge ceiling because I don't know how much Denver's going to have to push the envelope down the football field. And between Judy and Noah Fant, I think it's a toss up as far as which one is going to actually lead this team in targets. And I have more confidence that Noah, obviously, by making him the number two tight end on the week, that he's going to be able to score a touchdown. So that's kind of what we're looking at there. So you can play Judy, but I'm not as big on his ceiling if you have other options. But he's a fine fill-in if you had Juju Smith-Schuster, if you were counting on Deontay Johnson returning, if you were counting on uh, Corey Davis this week. He's a good fill-in for those purposes. So if you have somebody there, you, you can go ahead and play him. He's still he's not less than 50% available in most leagues, but he's still somebody who's not owned throughout all leagues, so he might be available in yours. We're still not going to play KJ Hamler yet. I like him more as a DFS play than I do as a redraft play, and that's going to continue to be the case until I see him worked in uh, more consistently. He did have a lot of targets last week. It is a nice matchup, but this is a guy who's a, he's a boomer bust play threat given his skill set, and he still, he still missed a lot of practice coming in. So KJ Hamler is somebody we might have our eye on later on the season, but not for week four. On the Jets side of the ball, there's only one player I'm going to talk about, and that's Jameson Crowder. Jameson Crowder is expected to be active today. He's not going to be 100%. That was pretty much the report. So you have to 
if you're going to have to play Jamison Crowder, first of all, I, ha- I would have to imagine if you're looking at Jamison Crowder, you're looking at him as a wide receiver three in your PPR leagues, which is about where we have him ranked at. If he's playing, given the state of this Jets offense, and given that Denver slot corner is vulnerable at the moment, he could be looking at a decent floor. He could be looking at a 6-7 catch, 48-yard, 52-yard performance, which would give you a, a decent floor if you're just looking for somebody to plug in there. So I get that you might have to play Jameson Crowder. But keep in mind, he's not going to be 100%. So there's going to be some risk involved here. There's going to be a chance of a re-aggravation. So if you have other options, I would maybe not take the chance on a Thursday night game because there's no worse feeling in the world than playing a guy on Thursday night and then finding out or having him wind up getting hurt in that game. And then all of a sudden you're going into Sunday. You have to spend the next two days glaring at your lineup with a guy who either goosed you or maybe got you two points because he got knocked out in the first half because of his injury. There's no worse feeling in the world because you feel like you're having to come back from behind before Sunday even starts. There's no worse feeling in the world. So there is some risk there, but I can understand playing Crowder. There should be, if he's able to play four quarters, given the, the Jets offense, there should be a reasonable expectation that he can give you a nice floor and give you a wide receiver three performance in half point or full point PPR leagues. So I get it, but do it with caution. That's all we're going to talk about from a fantasy perspective on the Jets. I am going to mention the real narrative coming into this game because that's going to have fantasy impact moving down the road. There are pretty much everyone in the media is talking about the idea that it's real. Adam Gase may be fired if they lose to the Denver Broncos tonight. And I would expect them to lose. I don't, I don't see a scenario in the Jets winning this game. I mean, the Broncos aren't the greatest team in the world, but they still have a lot more talent and are still way better coached than the New York Jets are. This is big. From a, we'll take it from a fantasy perspective because there's plenty of people talking about this from an NFL perspective and everything else. We'll take this from a fantasy perspective. If you're a fantasy owner of Jameson Crowder, of Le'Veon Bell, you need nothing more than Adam Gase to be fired tomorrow. That's what you need. You need the Jets to lose this game. Le'Veon Bell's value in particular in this scenario would increase him to be a mid-level RB2 on a week-in, week-out basis right off the bat if Adam Gase is gone. Because all of a sudden, the Frank Gore experiment is no longer. He's not getting 40% of the touches with Le'Veon Bell in the lineup anymore for absolutely no reason. Well, Michael Perrine is just a guy. And he probably won't be involved that much anymore. This would turn into Le'Veon Bell's offense the way it should be. I would assume that Greg Williams, being that he's done this before, would become the interim head coach if and when they fire Adam Gase. That would be my assumption. He'll put an emphasis on running the football. He'll put an emphasis on using Le'Veon Bell. Now, James Crowder, on the other hand, I think there's actually a little bit of a uneasiness when it comes to James. Now, remember, this is just a guy that we're talking about as a guy who has a wide receiver three kind of level. He's a nice player on your team, so it's not going to be super significant one way or another. But what I will say about James Crowder in an Adam Gase-less New York Jets football team is that he does build his offense around that slot wide receiver. The thing that Crowder has going for him, well, the two things that Crowder has going for him is that Sam Darnold 
likes to throw the ball short and intermediate over the middle part of the field. And he likes to target Jameson Crowder. The second thing is that Jameson Crowder, hands down, is the best wide receiver the New York Jets have. And I don't think it's a contest. Rashad Perryman is just the guy. Chris Hogan is just the guy. Braxton Berrios is on the practice squad on most teams. So Jameson Crowder has a lot of value for this team moving forward, even without Adam Gase, and will still be the number one targeted guy. So and I think overall, the Jets just might play better. They might play more motivated. They might play more competitive. And that will open up things for Crowder and Le'Veon Bell because they might be on an offense that maybe scores a little bit more. But Bell would be the big winner. If he can come back in week five with no Adam Gase as the head coach, I think we would see a motivated Le'Veon Bell too. I really truly believe that. So that's something to keep our eyes on as far as the narrative goes and what that fantasy impact I would expect it to have if the Jets, in fact, lose tonight and if the rumors are true that Adam Gase will be out if that is the case. And I have my fingers crossed because he's been killing me to watch that team get just wasted under Adam Gase. So we're going to move on. We're going to talk about the Colts. We're going to talk about the Bears. We're going to talk about our first early window game on Sunday. And it should become as no surprise on the Colts' side of the ball. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor's in your lineup. We have him more as a high-end RB2 than necessarily a low-end RB1, but we saw Todd Gurley and Brian Hill have both have decent days last week against Chicago Bears. I wouldn't be surprised if Taylor got in the RB1 in conversation. He just comes in at 14 for us for the week. Obviously, you're playing him. I think the question is, is T.Y. Hilton? I don't see how you trust him. He does come in as wide receiver 37, so he is just outside the flex conversation for us. But the thing working in his favor, if you feel like you want to have to play him, whatever the case may be, is that Michael Pittman is going to be out until week eight. So as far as the receiving core goes, it's, it's down to Hilton. It's down to Zach Pascal. But there's somebody that I want to mention when it comes to the pass catchers of the Colts here. That's Mo Cox. Mole Cox comes in as tight end eight for us. I truly believe he's going to be a thing. I truly believe, especially after last week, Jack Doyle was active. Moali Cox still played more and was still involved in the pass game. Now, I know three catches, 50 yards. He does score the touchdown, but you're like, eh. It's not, you know, the most confident thing moving forward as far as the volume goes, but nobody as a pass catcher in that offense had more than three catches last week. Nobody. The fact that Doyle was on the field and Mo Alley Cox was still involved in the offense gives me uber confidence moving forward. And if you're somebody who's been streaming tight ends, pick up Mo Alley Cox. I don't think you're going to have to stream again this season. If you're somebody who had Janu Smith going into this Steelers Tennessee game, pick up Mo Alley Cox. You'll be just fine this week. I think you'll have a top 10 guy. He is a fantasy superstar waiting to break out. And it might finally be coming. We might finally be witnessing the beginning of Mo Alley Cox. And I can't stress that point enough. We're talking about a guy who athletically has top five potential. The scheme that he's in likes to use the tight ends. The quarterback that he has likes to throw the ball to tight ends. And he has probably one of the most dominant skill sets out there as far as a pass catcher goes. Get on the Mo Alley Cox train now. Before it's too late. Before too many people are aware of what he's doing. 
Now we move on to the Chicago Bears side of the ball. I think that pretty much wraps up what you need to know about the Colts. Move on to the Chicago Bears side of the ball. Nick Foles is going to be the starter. Nick Foles is not a streaming option. But what Nick Foles does do is he opens up the door for Allen Robinson. Now, Allen Robinson comes in as more of a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three in our rankings this particular week. But the reason he's so low is because other than Jacksonville, teams really haven't had much success against the Colts. And even in the Jacksonville game, DJ Chark, he wound up getting a touchdown, but he only had three catches for 17 yards in that week one game. They've been able to take away the number one wide receiver, the opposing team, pretty well for the past couple of weeks. So that's the only reason why Allen Robinson isn't a solidified mid-level wide receiver too. I'm going to play Allen Robinson though, however. That's that's the thing you have to know about your team. Sometimes they're going to have a little lower value because of the matchup, but that doesn't mean you just take them out of your lineup. This Allen Robinson's a prime example of that. We have him reflecting a little bit lower because of the matchup has been kind of tough on the number one wide receivers of the opposing teams when playing the Colts so far this season. But I'm not suggesting for a second you take Allen Robinson out of your lineup. And the big reason why is because Nick Foles. Rest of season, Allen Robinson is way up on my list. Way up on my list. Because before with Mitchell Trubisky, I kind of wanted out of the Allen Robinson business because I knew it was going to be highly inconsistent. I wasn't going to be able to trust it. And Robinson was going to be more of a mid-level wide receiver three who you hope catches a touchdown than he was a wide receiver two, which is something he should be for fantasy football purposes. With Nick Foles, he will be. I'm not a fan of Nick Foles, but I do think, one, he's better than Mitchell Trubisky. But two, I can trust him to get the ball to his number one target every single week. That's what Nick Foles does. That's what he did in Philadelphia. He's going to get the ball to his number one target every single week, come hell or high water. So I trust him to get the ball to Allen Robinson. So I'm an Allen Robinson owner. I am elated that Nick Foles took over for Mitchell Trubisky last week. And it may have just saved your Allen Robinson value moving forward. The only other player that I think we have to talk about on the Bears, because people are going to be kind of curious, is Jimmy Graham. I know he had the two touchdowns last week. I believe it was one with Trubisky and one with Foles. Here's the deal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. He is still just a low-end tight end, too. He is still, he still looks like grandpa running routes out there. He can't get separation. Is he going to be a red zone threat? Sure. Does Nick Foles have a history of being able to target bigger guys in the red zone and letting them you know, get some more 50-50 balls? Yeah, he's somebody who might raise up in our rankings a little bit here and there. I think there's a lot of other 
streaming options that I would rather go with than Jimmy Graham. I mean, more like Cox is one of them. We just talked about him on the other side and they're about the same percentage owned right now. You can get one or the other, but there's other guys that I think just have safer floors who athletically are better or in offenses that are still going to be more high scoring that I would just rather stream in certain matchups. Jimmy Graham, I said it in the waiver wire uh, episode back on Tuesday that he is somebody that I would not pick up even though he just had the big performance. That was my advice. I, don't pick him up. Don't bother. Will he have some games where he's going to enter that streaming territory? Sure. Remember last week, though? Last week was one of the worst tight end weeks we've had so far this season. Jimmy Graham's not something you want to tie yourself to. So that, that allows us to move on. That allows us to move on to Jacksonville, to Cincinnati. Where for, you know, on paper, two bad teams, there's a lot of fantasy potential in this game. A ton of it. Jacksonville Jaguars come in now. Gardner Minshew is somebody who comes outside the streaming territory for us. And the reason for that is there's actually quite a few quarterbacks that we do like. There's quite a few quarterbacks that I have between uh, quarterback 14 and quarterback 21 this week, which is where Gardner Minshew is for me at quarterback 21. There's a short range there, meaning they're all within a point or two of each other. So he is somebody who I would consider in the streaming territory. Cincinnati Bengals is not a matchup that scares you. Other than last week, Minshew has played well. They should have DJ Chark back in this game. He's been back at practice. They expect him to be active and good to go. We're going to talk about him in a second. So there's reason to believe that Minshew can be a streaming quarterback. There's some guys I like a little bit better. But again, just because we have ranked at 21 doesn't mean he's not somebody that I don't believe you can't play if you were leaning that direction. It's not a situation that would scare me off of him if you felt good about your streaming opportunities with Gardner Minshew. But I think there's better options out there for just this particular week. That's all. As far as Gene Robinson goes, it should be a no-brainer that you're starting him. If, it, if you were on the fence for whatever reason, he comes in as our running back eight and half-point PPR leagues this week. I mean, Cincinnati's been okay against the pass. They've actually been better than I expected them to be against wide receivers, against quarterbacks. Kind of why Minshew comes down a little bit lower. And like I said, we'll talk about the receivers in a second. But the one thing that has remained true is that they cannot stop the run at all. And James Robinson has been very impressive so far. Very impressive with being able to make people miss. Very impressed with his bounds. Very impressed with his vision. Very impressed with his skill set of receiving the ball out of the backfield. Just very impressed, period. He's not going to blow you off the page with his athleticism, but he's doing all of the little things that you need your running back to do. I don't see a reason why he doesn't score again this week. So he comes. he's going to be our running back eight. We have him as an RB1 in this matchup. So let's talk about the wide receivers then. Let's talk about DJ Chark making his return. Let's talk about what that does to Keelan Cole and LaVisca Chenault. Well, for DJ Chark, we have him as wide receiver 36. Now that puts him on the edge of the flex territory. I do think he's more of a wide receiver three. Now the Bengals, a matchup that scare you? No, absolutely not. But he's coming back off of this weird chest back injury. There seemed to be some conflicting reports on how serious it was. We, we, earlier in this week, we almost thought he might not play this week. But he was able to come back and practice, so he seems to be okay. But there's going to be some risk there. He may not be 100%. Like I said, the Bengals have been better against the wide receivers than we've expected so far this season. And one thing I think every DJ Chark owner out there will be able to tell you is that, hey, he hasn't been targeted a lot yet. 
Now, I do think that's going to change. And I talked about this in the recap episode last Friday from that Thursday night game. That Thursday night game against the Dolphins should have shown you how much they need DJ Tark for all the other pieces in their offense, especially in the passing game, to be able to fall into place. Gardner Minshew needs his guy to be able to go to. Keelan Cole needs to be able to play in the slot position and be the second fiddle. LaVisca Chenault needs to be a little playmaker, a little gadget player to get involved in different aspects of the game. They need to be in those roles in order to be successful. That all comes from DJ Chark being active and on the field, which I think leads you to believe, should lead you to believe that more targets, if you didn't already believe that, more targets are going to be on the way for DJ Chark. Not just because he's the best wide receiver on the team, and I think, I think could be a budding star in this league, because of how he makes all the other pieces fall into place. So better days are ahead for Chark, but there is some risk with him this week. So I, I would play him with more of the expectation that he is a wide receiver three than I would than he's a wide receiver two, which is what his upside could be this week as well. Keelan Cole is actually a little bit higher ranked for me this week at 33, just because we know that he has a little bit more of a floor based on what he's done the past few weeks heading into this matchup. So just kind of keep that in mind again, but you're still talking about them in the same territory as wide receiver threes. Chanel is not somebody I'm playing this week. I think he proved last week that he's only, he's going to be very game script dependent on when he can get involved. And he's still not, he's still raw. I think Chanel's going to be very good down the road. I don't think it's going to be this year though. He's still raw. He's still trying to develop, especially in his route running capabilities. He's going to be a guy who's going to be more of a gadget player. He's going to be used in different areas. It's not something that you can sink your teeth into when it comes to a fantasy football perspective. I don't think I, I don't think you need to own LaVisca Chenault. I don't think you do. In case you're going back and forth and that need to make up a roster spot, I think you can get rid of LaVisca Chenault. I'm not going to walk him to Fleshtown because you have an extra bench spot. He's not a bad player to have there, depending on, you know, see if he pops. Because I do think in a few weeks, he might take over Keelan Cole as far as snaps played because he just has way more talent. And Jacksonville's one of those teams. They're going to find themselves outside of the playoff race, so they might just start to play Chenault more because they're going to move on from Keelan Cole after the season. So I don't think he's a bad player to stash, but I don't love him for this week, and I don't think you have to play. You know, I don't think you have to roster him if you're looking for a spot to open up. So we'll talk about the Cincinnati Bengals side of the ball. And for these guys, Joe Burrow, top shooting quarterback. I think a must-own quarterback at this point. The volume is there. They are just, this is Joe, I, I will, I'll say it again. I feel like this might be the third week in a row that I'm saying this, but this is Joe Burrow's offense. It's not Joe Mixon's offense. It's Joe Burrow's offense, period. Now, I worry about him a little bit because he is getting demolished behind that offensive line right now. But they are throwing the ball at a high clip. It doesn't matter what the game script is. That's how they're choosing to move the football. And in this matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars, I like it. Joe Burrow also uses his legs. He comes in as QB8 for us. He's going to be a top 10 quarterback for us. So if he's somebody who's available on your waiver wire, I believe you can pick him up and play him as a low-end QB1 this week. Joe Mixon, on the other hand, they finally have a matchup where I think he has a chance to get right. But Joe Mixon's problem hasn't been, hasn't been the opposing teams. It hasn't been his matchups. Joe Mixon's problem hasn't been Joe Mixon. 
Joe Mixon's problem has been Zach Taylor and the annoying usage of Giovanni Bernard. Something he said he wasn't going to do after learning his lesson at the end of last year that, hey, when you give Mixon all kinds of touches of the world, he can take over ball games. He can get stronger as the game goes. He's not doing it. Giovanni Bernard is involved in an annoying clip, especially when it comes to two-minute drills, no huddle offense, come back from, you know, Come back from behinds. Although I will say last week when they were trying to come back and they wound up pushing that game in the overtime, Joe Mixon was on the field a little bit more in those situations than he had been the previous two weeks. So I would say that's a little bit of a positive development as far as Joe Mixon goes. I will say this. There's actually a, a, a second problem for Joe Mixon, and that's the offensive line. Again, for Joe Burrow's been getting killed. That offensive line, they got in a goal line situation last Now, it was, it was against Philadelphia Eagles, and they're a tough team to run on. And I knew it wasn't going to be a great match for Joe Mixon because of that. But they got in the goal line. And it's not the only week that it's happened. It happened the first couple weeks too. They got no push. I don't know if I've ever seen an offensive line consistently in the goal line, on the trenches, when it's time to score, never get a push. The best they can do is get stalemated at the line of scrimmage. That's the best they've been able to do. Otherwise, they're getting blown off the ball. That's how bad this offensive line is. That's the other problem for Joe Mixon right now. He looks good. He's, get, he's still getting a good amount of touches. He's still gotten plus 18 touches every single week so far. But man, that offensive line's bad. But I think you have to play him. You, just, you have to have an expectation that he's a low-end RB2 unless he scores a touchdown, and then he could be a high-end RB2. That, that's kind of the expectation you have to have with it when it comes to Joe Mixon just for right now until things change. A.J. Green. What do you do about A.J. Green? Well, he's wide receiver 32. So he enters that wide receiver three flex territory for us for this week. He still is top 10 in targets. He's still top 10 in air yards. So the thing about A.J. Green is T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Last two weeks, both have played more snaps. Both have run more routes. T. Higgins being the big you know, factor in that that people are looking and pointing to and like, hey, is T. Higgins actually taking over? No. Because when A.J. Green's out there, A.J. Green's getting targeted. Last week, he was blanketed by Darius Slay. I knew he wasn't going to get the ball a lot against Darius Slay. No, really, no. There's not many wide receivers out there who can have good games against Darius Slay. But I think you saw it in that overtime first drive that the Bengals got the ball. Joe Burrow wanted to go to A.J. Green. He hadn't been able to do it much that entire game. And in the overtime, the most crucial part of the game he had three targets right off the bat to A.J. Green. That's where he, Joe Burrow has shown for the first three weeks that if he is given, if ever, everything being equal, if he's given the opportunity, A.J. Green is who he wants to throw the ball to. I still believe that as long as that continues to be the case, which I believe that it will be, A.J. Green will start to knock some of the rust off. He'll be back. We're, we're through, or we're getting, or entering the first month of the season. So by entering the first month of the season, there's a good chance that he's going to be in better shape now. He's going to be closer to his football shape now. So if he keeps getting the opportunity, keeps getting more in shape, keeps knocking off the rust, I do believe that's going to convert at some point. And he's going to be a very valuable wide receiver too in an offense that's going to be high volume. For now though, Tyler Boyd, you, he is the best play uh, Bengals wide receiver at the moment. He comes in at 24 for us. He comes in as a solid wide receiver too to plug in there. He's going to have a great match against the Jacksonville Jaguars, too. They don't have anybody who can cover the slot. I'm still not going to play T. Higgins. I need to see him continue to be 
as involved as he was. And remember last week, he didn't have a great stat line, just happened to have the two touchdowns. So he's not somebody I'm going to play, but he is somebody that I'm going to roster if I have the extra bench, bench spot to go after him and roster him with. Drew Sample. I have him at tight end 11, I guess because I'm a glutton for punishment. I don't know. But I have to believe that the truth about Drew Sample is somewhere in the middle of week two and week three. I believe he's definitely better than the one catch, one yard performance that he had in week three. But maybe he's not as dominant as what we saw in week two when he had double digit targets. I believe the truth is somewhere in the middle. Drew Sample has good athleticism. Joe Burrow has a history of throwing the ball to the tight end. I think he's just somebody who's always going to be in that streaming territory. Now, if you don't trust it going into this matchup, I don't blame you. But just keep in mind, it's the Jaguars. So I think he's somebody who should at least be considered in the streaming territory. And I wouldn't just bail after, you know, one really bad game. But you'll probably have some other options you'll be able to choose from who might have sleeper floors. We move on to the Cleveland Browns and the Dallas Cowboys. It'll be the last game we talk about before we take a break. With the Cleveland Browns here, obviously you're playing Nick Chubb. The question mark is Kareem Hunt going to play? Now, from what we have heard, the groin injury that kept him out of practice yesterday, and I'm still waiting to hear the exact practice report today. They did talk about that they don't believe it's serious. It's a groin issue. They still seem to think that there's a decent chance he's going to be able to play this week. I haven't got the official practice report yet as of now of exactly what his participation in practice is today. If he's able to practice in limited capacity today and limited tomorrow, then we expect him to be able to go. And if he can go on Sunday, then we have him as an RB2. We have him as running back 18. So we have him as somebody that you should play if he can go. Because, again, this team is built around Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. If he can't go, Nick Chubb, who we have ranked at 12 right now, will definitely catapult inside of our top 10. So that's something you're going to have to watch. That's something you're going to have to follow us on social media for at Show. As far as anybody else in the Browns, this is a week that I think you can play OBJ. The best way to move the ball against Dallas is to throw the football. So while Cleveland's still going to come in with a run-first attack, I do think they're going to be forced to have to throw the ball a little bit more in this matchup. The number one wide receiver against the Dallas Cowboys has been very successful. We have OBJ as a wide receiver 16 in this week. We think there's a decent chance that he could wind up catching a big play in this game. That's what you're kind of counting. You're counting on that big play. Counting on the fact that I think he is going to get, probably get eight targets in this game. Just because of the way the defense of Dallas sets up. And if Kareem Hunt's out, then they'll probably have to utilize the wide receivers a little bit more in the passing game because they don't utilize Nick Chubb in that fashion as much, even though I still think he could be utilized that way, but they don't. If OBJ has a wide receiver two or better type of game against the Dallas Cowboys, you better be ready to sell him next week. I do not know how many more opportunities you're going to have to sell high on OBJ. This game sets up as that situation where you can play him and you might have a chance to sell him. So just kind of keep that in mind. You're not playing Jarvis Landry. He comes in as a wide receiver four for us this week. There's just not enough ceiling, not part of the big plays. Still can't trust the overall volume of the Cleveland Browns play. And you're not playing a tight end. I thought they played all this money to Austin Hooper. Baker Mayfield does like going to the tight ends in the red zone. But Harrison Bryant's been annoyingly involved since David Njoku's gone down. And Austin Hooper, he's getting used like Kyle Rudolph. 
Kevin Stefanski is kind of utilizing the tight end position in general, like he did last year with the Minnesota Vikings, which is, yeah, two pretty good tight ends, but they were never really involved at a point where they ever became fantasy relevant. That might be happening now to Austin Hooper. He's not somebody I think you can play at all until further notice. I don't think he's somebody you need to be rostered. As a matter of fact, I don't think I've done this for him yet, but if you have Austin Hooper, prepare to be flushed. Welcome to flush now. There's no reason to have him. None whatsoever. So we move on to the Dallas side of the ball. Dallas kind of goes without saying for the most part as far as who their guys is. You're playing Dak Prescott. He's your number four quarterback on the week. Playing Ezekiel Elliott. He's the number number five running back on the week. You're playing Amari Cooper. He's our wide receiver 11. So low end wide receiver one. He does have a tough matchup against Denzel Ward sometimes. Ward doesn't always shadow though. So they're still going to move Cooper all the way around. I think there's a decent chance that C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup are going to see their fair share of Denzel Ward in this matchup too. Michael Gallup comes in at wide receiver 27 for us. We're still waiting to see exactly what the status C.D. Lamb is because the reason Cedric Wilson got into that game or got involved in that game to the level that he did is because Lamb got a little bit banged up. But it sounds like Lamb's going to play. I'm not worried about Cedric Wilson having this big impact this week. I think that's the biggest reason why Dalton Schultz wound up doing nothing last week. As far as Gallup and C.D. Lamb goes, who can you play? Well, I think you have to play Gallup after his mat, after his, his big performance last week. I think you have to. Cleveland's not a team that, while they, have some de- while they have a decent defense, they're not a team that's been stuffing anyone. You can throw on them. You can score on them. So I'm not going to be fearful of this matchup. Now, am I going to play Michael Gallup with the expectation in my mind that he's more of a high-end wide receiver three with upside than a wide receiver two? Yes, absolutely. I have him at wide receiver 27. But C.D. Lamb, to me, is more of a low-end flex play heading into this week. I think he should have better options. But also, when he does have the upside, he does have the ceiling. It wouldn't surprise me if he had a decent game this week. It wouldn't surprise me if you have to play him. But I think you have better options with much higher floors to be able to go into this week with than C.D. Lamb. What do you do about Dalton Schultz? Well, I don't think you can trust him after last week. Kind of like Drew Sample, where I think it's going to be hard for fantasy owners to trust him after last week. He is going to be a thing. He is going to be a guy who's going to be a streaming option more times than not, I believe, this season. Dak Prescott's still going to want to throw the tight end. That offense still has a capacity for the tight end unit being involved in the offense. Like I said, it was Cedric Wilson who came in. He ruined things for C.D. Lamb last week. He ruined things for Dalton Schultz last week. That's not going to be a thing. That's what's not going to happen. Now, I think you have other options that you can go to this week, but Dalton Schultz shouldn't be somebody who just falls off your radar as a result of that. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to be talking about the Saints. We're going to talk about the Lions. We're going to talk about Seattle, Miami, and a few more games after that as well. And make sure you stay tuned to the end of the episode because we're going to talk about the mailbag segment too. So everybody, hang tight, and we'll be right back after this. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we are back. Again, you are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. I am always your host, Dan Mater. Live on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, and also presented by Belly Up Sports. And we've been talking about the early window of games for week four, talking about the fantasy analysis, our expectations. We're talking about the injuries 
And we're going to continue that now with the Saints and the Detroit Lions, along with so several others to go here before the show's over at 1.30. We'll still have a mailbag segment for you guys at the end. And we're getting some practice reports coming through now, so we'll be able to keep you guys up to date on that as well. Of course, remember, we'll be back tomorrow at the same time, same place, 12 o'clock to 1.30 on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We're going to recap the Thursday night game. We're going to talk about the late window of games, the week four matchup. We're going to update you on all the injury news from that have are relevant to the games that we're talking about in today's show. And we'll have another mailbag segment for you guys then too. We're always here for you. Even when we're not on the show, we're here for you. You can always hit us up on social media at BillyUpMDFFShow. We'll always be here to answer your questions. So let's move on into the Saints and the Detroit Lions this week. And we'll start off with the biggest news of the week, which is Michael Thomas might be coming back. He practiced in a limited capacity yesterday. Usually, typically speaking, when a player practices on a Wednesday, it's a good indication. However, Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. I still didn't rank Michael Thomas this week. And I might buy tomorrow. I, like I said, I usually put my rankings in before the Thursday game, and then I'll update them again all the way through uh, Sunday morning when they'll be finalized early Sunday morning for you guys before those games begin. But the reason I didn't rank Michael Thomas early this week is because I just, I don't understand it. I don't believe they need to play him. So Detroit Lions, you can win this game without him, number one. Number two, I, and I know they're one and two right now, and that may be a big reason why they want to make sure they win this game, but you can still beat the Detroit Lions without them. Number two, this is still half the time that it normally takes for a high ankle sprain to be able to heal. Now, he may be feeling better than people expected him to. He may be recovering faster than people expected him to. But if I'm the Saints, I'm playing the long game here with Michael Thomas. I'm a Super Bowl contending team. You're going up to the Detroit Lions. Again, like I said, it's a matchup. I really believe you can win without him. Why not give him one more week? So I still have to be a little bit more convinced that he's definitely going to play this week, which is why I don't have him right. Now, having said all that, if you're a Michael Thomas owner, you're going to be like, well, how much do you trust him if he does play? Here's what I will say. He's not going to be 100% out there. I, there's no doubt about that. But the fact that it's Detroit Lions... The fact that he's been pushing to get back, the fact that it's clear he's missing the offense with Drew Brees, especially throwing the football, because he just doesn't look quite comfortable having to lean on Emmanuel Sanders and Traquan Smith. You're going to have to play him. Will he be top five for me? No. I, he may not even come inside the top 10, but will he be a must play if he is out there against the Detroit Lions? Yeah, 100%. 
Are you going to take the risk a little bit that he's going to be a bit of a decoy? Sure. But he could be a decoy in the same sense that Mike Evans was a decoy in which he still scored a touchdown. He was still a red zone target. That still could be a thing. So you're going to play Michael Thomas if he plays this week, but I'm still not 100% convinced that will really be the case. But we'll see. And we'll keep you up to date on Twitter if you have those notifications up. So that's the big that's the big storyline there that people want to know right off the bat. As far as the other wide receivers go, and we'll just start off with the rest of the Saints talking about them as Manuel Sanders, Traquan Smith. I know this is a great match against Detroit. And let's pretend for a second Michael Thomas doesn't play. I'm still not playing Emmanuel Sanders or Trey Smith. I know it's a great matchup, and one of them might do really well. But I don't think you can tell me with any confidence which one it's going to be. Sanders is the one who had four catch, 54 yards. He's the one who came in with the touchdown last week. Trey Smith had a similar stat line, just didn't have the touchdown catch. I don't know how you play either one of those guys. The week before, it looked like it was Trey Smith, and then last week, it looked like it was a pretty even split between the two. What we don't know is what Jared Cook's status for sure is going to be. He got banged up in that game. We're going we're gonna to have to watch the practice report carefully today and tomorrow to really be able to establish whether or not we think Jared Cook's going to be out there. Now, as far as Jared Cook, his fantasy value goes, I am not going to play him this week because if he is going to be out there, he's going to be way less than 100%, and he's already a touchdown-dependent boomer bust type of tight end anyway. So I think there's other tight ends you can definitely go to. We have Jared Cook ranked as number 19 tight end on the week. So I'm telling you, there are better options out there available to you than Jared Cook against the Detroit Lions. I know it's a matchup you want to be able to play him against, but given his health status, given that he wasn't able to do much against the Raiders, even when he was healthy, I am not going to trust Jared Cook in this game. I'm going to take my streaming options elsewhere. But if he's not involved in this game, he's not active in this game, and Michael Thomas isn't active in this game, then Emmanuel Sanders might become, I don't know, a desperate flex play for me, but still just a desperate nonetheless. Well, I have an easier time playing a Traquan Smith or an Emmanuel Sanders in a DFS tournament, yes. That's something I would look at. But in redraft leagues, there's better options out there. There's better options on your waiver wire out there. So I'm not going to look to play Sanders or Trey Quan Smith this week, even if there's no Michael Thomas, even if there's no Jared Cook. The big reason for that is because it's probably it could be a 100% Alvin Kamara game, just like the game against Green Bay was. I don't see why that changes. Latavius Murray could get 15 carries again, and Alvin Kamara could just dominate every other facet of the game. Obviously, he's an RB1. Obviously, you're starting him. Drew Brees, what does this do? Okay, so Drew Brees is on the road, and that always seems to be a problem for Drew Brees. However, being that it's Detroit, being that it's in a dome, he does have a history of doing better on the road when he's going to other domes, a la Atlanta, all those years. He does well there. So Brees enters the streaming territory because as long as he can dump the ball off the Alvin Kamara, we saw last week that he can still have a decent fantasy game, which is he did. He had three touchdowns. He had, I think, was about 275 yards in that territory. Didn't have an interception, played much better, looked more accurate than he did in week two. But the big thing was he was able to dump off half of his completions to Alvin Kamara coming out of the backfield. That's not going to change whether there's Michael Thomas or Jared Cook or anybody else on the field this week. That's going to be open all game long. Detroit cannot cover nor stop the run when it comes to running back. So I think Drew Brees is going to have a high floor against Detroit in this matchup. And you can play him as QB 15. He can be that streaming option for you. You can plug and play him this week. Because Detroit's the defense that just keeps on giving to all the fantasy owners and will continue to do so all season long. But when we look at Detroit's offense, 
Kenny Galladay, you got to play him. It's still a tough matchup. He's going to be matched up on Marshawn Lattimore this entire game. So he does come in as somebody who might be more of a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three for us this particular week. But you have to play him. You saw last week Stafford's going to go to him in the goal line situation. And it's not like wide receivers haven't been able to be successful against the Saints defense. I still truly believe that they are a very good defense. and I still truly believe that they're going to be playing a lot better as the season goes on. But after watching Alan Lazard go off for 150 yards, basically, and a touchdown on six catches, I don't see why you would be afraid of playing Kenny Galladay this week. That's kind of how you have to look at it moving forward. So it's still, we're still going to take into account that he's going to be shadowed by Marshawn Lattimore. But I don't think you have to be fearful of it based on the way that they have played over the past couple of weeks. They haven't actually stopped anybody, even though their talent suggested they might. So that's kind of what you have to take in consideration there. That's why Kenny Galladay is still a must play. Just maybe temper expectations a little bit than what you would normally have with him. You're not playing Marvin Jones. I do believe Marvin Jones is going to turn a corner at some point this season, especially with Kenny Galladay back in the lineup. I do believe he's still the guy who's going to be able to get those multiple touchdown games for you at some point this season. But I'm not going, I'm not going to play him against the Saints. We'll put it that way. When they play against Chicago, when they play against teams that are more on their competitive talent level, that they're definitely going to be able to throw the ball against, especially at home, those are the games in which I'm going to take shots on Marvin Jones. For instance, Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'll take a shot on him in Thanksgiving because he always goes off in Thanksgiving. But there's going to be games ahead, I think. That's why I think Marvin Jones is still somebody who has to be rostered on your team, but you can't play him this week. And he's still more of a wide receiver for moving forward as of this moment. And you're not going to play him this week. So the running backs, this mess of a backfield, what do you do about it moving forward? I have DeAndre Swift in a couple of redraft leagues. I have a hard time dropping him. And I did in a couple, and in a couple others, I didn't. And the reason basically came off of roster construction. If you need a roster spot, because you need to pick somebody else up for whatever reason, you can drop DeAndre Swift. Now, he's not welcome to Flushtown for this show, because Detroit is still going to get knocked out of this playoff race sooner rather than later. Once that happens... There's going to be no reason to continue this experiment, continue this onslaught of Adrian Peterson that they've been rolling out there for the beginning of this season. There's going to be every reason in the world to get ahead for next year on DeAndre Swift's development and seeing what you truly have out of him moving forward. So I do believe there's going to be a point in this season, maybe around week eight, week nine, where DeAndre Swift is going to start to take over for that reason. So that's why I'm still good with him being a stash if you have the ability to do so. If you're 3-0, and 2-1, and one, and you don't have a ton of injuries, where you're not getting killed by bye weeks that we weren't expecting popping up, he's still somebody that I think you can stash. But if you have to make a move, you, don't have, you can drop him. But that's why he's not welcome to Flushtown. Now, as far as this week goes, the only running back that I even contemplate playing would be Adrian Peterson. But again, this isn't a good matchup. This isn't a run. This isn't a Saints run defense that you want to go after. But he's the one getting the carries. And they talked about it this week, too, that they are kind of getting closer to the point where they're just going to kind of turn over the carries to Adrian Peterson, which means, you know, I told you back in week one, you should have dropped carry on Johnson. But I think we're going to see even less of Johnson from starting from this week moving forward. That's the way it sounded like to me. DeAndre Swift is going to be involved because he's still going to be the main pass catcher when they get in those situations. 
And that could be this game. He could be involved in that capacity. I'm not going to play him, though. But Adrian Peterson's probably going to get 18 carries in this game, minimum. I don't think I don't think Carrion Johnson is going to be that much of a thing. So as far as if you have to play a Detroit running, running back, I guess it would be AP at this moment. It sounds like he's taking the job completely away from Carrion Johnson at this point. Matthew Stafford is a streaming quarterback. Saints haven't been that great against quarterbacks this year. And he's a good common quarterback. He's at home. I think he has a nice floor. I still question what the ceiling is going to be in this particular matchup, but he does have a nice floor coming into this game. I think there's a real chance he scores two to three touchdowns, should get over 250 yards. Just going to depend on how many interceptions does he have. And that'll dictate where his floor is going to wind up being. But I think he should have a decent floor for you if you're looking to stream quarterbacks. Although I I do think you're going to have better options to be able to get higher ceiling guys. I don't see why Stafford... If you're looking to take a shot at the quarterback position, I don't know. I don't think Stafford would be the top guy on my list. I mean, and I've proven that it wouldn't be. It would be Joe Burrow, hands down. Or it could even be the guy that we're going to talk about in the next matchup, Ryan Fitzpatrick against Seattle. Jamal Adams may not play. If Jamal Adams doesn't play, they have nothing in the secondary. Absolutely nothing. Ryan Fitzpatrick just had a very good game against a much better Buffalo Bills defense and what Seattle has to offer right now. So there's a really good, I think there's a great chance that he throws for 300 yards in this game. I think there's a great chance that he throws for two touchdowns in this game for Ryan Fitzpatrick. He comes in as QB 12 for us. He comes, so he is one of our top streamer guys just below Joe Burrow, who I think could be a QB one this week. I'd rather have a Ryan Fitzpatrick than Matthew Stafford. Just kind of throw that one out there. He has a much higher ceiling. Love Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker, this is going to be the week that we see remnants from last season. Devontae Parker is going to finish as a wide receiver one. I have him as number six on the week. I don't know how you can't love him. He did still look hindered to me in that last Thursday game. He's not 100%, but he's had now 10 days to heal from that. He did not have a re-aggravation. That was the most important thing. We talked about that before, too. In this matchup, Devontae Parker is going to do great. Going to do great. He's a must-play in your lineups this week. Must-play. I want Preston Williams to get back to where he was. He's still not quite there. You still can't quite play him. And it's, it's kind of a pain that you can't trust him because I think there's a, there is a second pass catcher, and maybe it winds up being Mike Kosicki, but there's a second pass catcher in this Dolphins team that's going to do well this week against Seattle. There is. I wish it could be Preston Williams because I love this guy's talent. I love what he could be moving forward, but he's still not a guy he can roster in fantasy leagues yet. He's still somebody I have my eye on because he has the talent to be able to turn this around once he, you know, he's still work. I think he's still working his way back from his, his ACL. So that would lead me to believe that the second pass catcher on the Dolphins is going to have a good game would be Mike Kosicki. He comes in as tight end 10 for us. He's a reason why I don't think you need Jimmy Graham. He's a reason why you don't need to stream Dalton Schultz. He's a reason why you don't need to stream Drew Sample. Mike Isicki is somebody who, he's a little bit over the 50% mark, so he wouldn't make like the quote-unquote waiver wire report. He wouldn't be widely available to you guys. But he is somebody who is surprising, who is still surprisingly available in a number of leagues. I think the number is around 35% available. So check your teams. Check your leagues. He might be available, surprisingly. But he's definitely a must-play for me. He's definitely a low-end tight end one for me in this matchup. He's not playing as a tight end. I went into this season, I wasn't big on Mike Isicki. He was one of my busts because Chan Gailey doesn't design his offenses around tight end. The one caveat I gave 
going into the season was that it could change to some degree if they treat Mike Gesicki as a wide receiver rather than a tight end. I was like, they treat him more as a wide receiver. They treat him as a wide receiver for the Chad Gailey system. It was like, then I will have confidence that he will have a better chance to have a decent stat line. I still have questions about why he doesn't get more separation. I still have questions about why he can't be better after the catch. So I have questions about his overall ceiling because of that. But he can be decent, especially as a tight end position. And that's what's happened. He's playing more as a wide receiver than he is a tight end. He's hardly ever asked to block. He's hardly ever lining up on the end of the tackle. He's usually standing up split out wide. And in this matchup, like I said, a game which the Dolphins are going to have to score points. We all know that. Kosicki is a safe bet to be a low-end tight end one. And I think he's going to be the second best pass catcher to have on the Miami Dolphins in this game. Can you play Miles Gaskin? The answer to that is... Mm. <laughs> he's number 25 for us, so he comes out just outside that RB2, which means he is a flex guy. After last week, you can't ignore the fact that he had 22 carries. You can't ignore the fact that he's the, just, he's the lead back. He's the bell cow. But Jordan Howard's still the goal line guy. So he gets really limited in his ceiling because of that. So I feel good about playing him as a high floor running back in my flex, but he's not going to be an RB2 for me this week. So do with that as you may. You, if you have James Conner, you may need to play. You may need to plug and play him, and you could do worse than Miles Gaskin for sure. Now on the Seattle side of the ball, we don't need to spend much time. Wilson, number one quarterback. Tyler Lockett's our number three receiver this week. DK Metcalf's our number seven receiver this week. That all goes without saying. The only thing with that was that was in question, I guess still tell, still technically in question, is Chris Carson, Carlos Hyde. What's going on there? Well, all of a sudden, Chris Carson went from somebody we all expected to be out this week to he practiced limited yesterday and today. So if he got two limited practices on a, on, a, on a Wednesday and a Thursday, he's probably going to play this week which really kind of screwed me because I picked up Carlos High in quite a few leagues and expected to play him in my flex, especially in this match against the Miami Dolphins. And it sounds like I'm not going to be able to do that. Chris Carson sounds like he's going to play. He is our number 10. If he plays, even if he's not 100%, he's our number 10 running back this week. He has such a high probability to score against the Miami Dolphins and have a great game because they can't stop the run. They just can't. So even if Carson has a limited workload to some degree, I still believe he's going to score a touchdown, maybe two in this matchup. That's why he's my number 10 running back on the week. So you have to play Carson if he plays. And it looks like he's going to play. And that's, that's the good news for Carson owners. So we'll move on to the Chargers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And with them, we're going to talk about, you know, Austin Eckler. Not a great matchup for him on the ground, but with Justin Herbert in, Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen are going to continue to get a ridiculous amount of targets. I talked about this last week. As long as Justin Herbert is the quarterback, this is a Philip Rivers offense. As long as it's a Philip Rivers offense, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler are going to be heavily involved in the passing game. Austin Eckler is going to be more of an RB1, especially we're talking about from a half point and full point PPR standpoint, because he's going to be as involved as he was in the passing game last week. So you're playing Eckler, you're playing Keenan Allen. I think the question is, what do you do about Joshua Kelly? He's a low-end flex play for me this week, but I think there's guys who definitely have better ceilings who I'd rather take a chance on, because this is a good Tampa Bay run defense. Better days are ahead for Joshua Kelly. I know he was disappointing last week against the Carolina Panthers. That game just didn't go. 
I think the way anybody expected it to go. I think people expected it to be a pro Chargers game script, and it didn't. It didn't turn out that way ever at any point in the game. Better days are ahead for Joshua Kelly. He's going to be involved. He is going to be the Melvin Gordon to this offense, without a doubt. But this isn't the matchup that I want to go ahead and rush him out there against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You, you can't run on these guys. Not efficiently, anyway. Mike Williams, we don't think he's going to play this week. He is still questionable as of this moment, but he's dealing with a hamstring injury, injury on top of the fact that he's still been dealing with that shoulder since the, pre, since the preseason. So there's a pretty good chance he doesn't play, which is just going to open up more targets for Keenan Allen, more targets for Austin Eckler, and it's going to open up more targets for Hunter Henry, who comes in as a low-end tight end one for us in this matchup. Is not a great matchup for Hunter Henry. It's not a game in which I'm eager to play him, but he's been a pretty high floor tight end through the first three weeks. It's just a matter of time before he starts getting the end zone consistently. And that could happen this week, even, even against Tampa Bay. So he is a low end tight end one for us that you have to play. On the Buccaneers side of the ball, we have some serious injuries to talk about. Chris Godwin's definitely out, but Scotty Miller hasn't been in practice for yesterday or it looks like he's not going to be at practice today either justin watson hasn't been in practice yesterday doesn't look like he's going to be at practice today either leonard fournette wasn't at practice yesterday it doesn't look like he's going to be at practice today either although they did say that leonard fournette was on the rehab field doing some work today but they had a report come out late last night that leonard fournette may miss this week i still don't know what it is because yesterday on the practice report he was listed out for rest purposes not for an injury and I've been doing the show, so I haven't had time to really read the, the next report that came out as far as him doing rehab work. I don't know if they've listed it yet. We'll find that out afterwards. We'll find that out for you guys and make sure you know on Twitter at show. But there's, there's a slew of injuries there. So I don't know. Right now, we have Scotty Miller as, ranked as if he's going to play, and we have him as a very low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four, so somebody that could possibly enter the flex play conversation. I know he disappointed the last time Chris Godwin was out, but remember, he got banged up in that game himself, and that was a big reason for that. I don't want to trust it, even if he is active and playing. I'll make that clear. But he's somebody, if you are scrounging for options on the waiver wire due to injury or due to unexpected buys, he's somebody who might be in the conversation if he's out there and playing. But he hasn't been out there and practicing, so we don't even know if he's going to play. The guy who is just, you know, the prize winner by default is going to be Mike Evans. He's going to get targeted by default. So last week, his two catch for two yards for two touchdowns. I mean, as a Mike Evans owner, you're hoping to get the two touchdown part again, but you're going to get a heck of a lot more targets, a heck of a lot more receptions, and a heck of a lot more yards just by default. There's nobody else Tom Brady's going to be able to throw the ball to. So Mike Evans, of course, is a must play in this game against the Chargers, even though he's going to be shadowed by Hayward in this matchup. So while he is a must play, he's still more on the lower end of the wide receiver two category for us as far as the rankings go, because that still has to get taken into consideration. It's kind of one of the reasons why Scotty Miller, somebody, if he does play, we have in the flex conversation because he's going to have the better matchup. No Chris Harris. You can actually throw it to the slot receiver now against the Los Angeles Chargers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The interesting thing is going to be, you're not going to play a tight end from Tampa Bay, but I am going to be watching this very closely. Suddenly, we had a Rob Gronkowski sighting last week. After the first two weeks, he was just a blocker, and I talked about it afterwards on the recap show from this past Monday. And I talked about how I just don't understand why Rob Gronkowski came back to be a blocker. It just doesn't make any sense to me, especially considering the wear and tear on his body and where he was in his, in his life and in his career. But then all of a sudden last week, we get a Rob Gronkowski sighting where he's the most targeted tight end and he had a decent stat line. He didn't score, but he has, he had a decent stat line. So I'm going to be watching the tight end situation very closely for Tampa Bay because somebody's going to have value. Somebody's going to be a, at least a top end streaming option for you moving forward. Whether it's OJ Howard or Rob Gronkowski, especially with no Chris Godwin for at least this week, maybe more, he is going to be the tight end is going to be involved, especially in the red zone at some point, especially with you know, like I said, especially with Brady. So I'm going to be watching that closely. You're not playing anybody this week, but it's a situation that I think you have to watch. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. We're going to wrap up the last few games that we have for the early window, and then we're going to get to the mailbag segment for you guys on the other side. So stay tuned on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, and we will be right back after this. You're you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. I am your host, Dan Mater, on WWSRN. Make sure you download that app on iOS or on Android. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, also presented by Belly Up Sports. And we're talking about the early week one window of games. I'm sorry, early week one. I'm having flashbacks here. Early week four window of games. We just went through several of them. We're talking about the player injury news. We're talking about the fancy expectations heading into this matchup. Some ideas for what you can do if you need to stream other players besides uh, your Steelers and your Tennessee Titans, which are postponed. They're not going to play in week four. They're not going to count towards week four. We still don't know exactly when that game's going to take place, but we do know they're going to be registered as their bye for week four. So we're getting a little tight on time, so we're going to kind of move this along a little bit quicker for the rest of these games so we can get to that mailbag segment because I always want to make sure that I'm answering your guys' questions. And the next game that we're going to talk about here is the Baltimore Ravens and the Washington Football Club. Cannot wait till they get a nickname. It's so annoying to have to say that. So on the Ravens' side of the ball, they are going to bounce back after that game against Kansas City last week. I truly believe Washington, unfortunately, due to how that game went, are just they're going to run into a buzzsaw this week, which is why I don't have Terry McLaurin as somebody that I have to must play. I think this could be kind of like what Baltimore did to Cleveland and maybe even more brutal than that. Now, Terry McLaurin still comes in as a wide receiver three because no matter how bad Dwayne Haskins plays, no matter how bad Washington plays, those are going to, they still seem to have these spurts in their games where they can go no huddle and Terry McLaurin will rattle off, you know, four targets in a series and a rattle off four targets in another series and wind up with eight targets on the game and a wind up with a decent floor and half point and full point PPR, no matter the matchup. So I still think you can play him as a wide receiver three, but just temper your expectations. I don't think he scores in this game. I don't think he gets over a hundred yards in this game. And that's kind of what you have to have the mindset of Terry McLaurin heading to this game. 
Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, these are good corners who just had their pride destroyed on Monday night. Baltimore's just going to have a, an extra fire under their butts in this matchup. They're just, they just are. So Jackson, obviously, you're playing him. Marquise Brown, I'm playing him. There's nobody in Washington's secondary that scares me. And I think the one thing that we're going to see, especially in this game, is that they're going to try to make sure Lamar Jackson, Marquise Brown, get on the same page moving forward, especially with the deep ball. I think there's a great chance Brown gets hit on a couple of deep balls this week. I think there's a great chance that happens. They're going to make an emphasis for it because they know it's something they have to have in their arsenal if they're ever going to beat Kansas City. And I think that's what it's going to be all about for the rest of the season. I think the rest, all it's going to be about for the Baltimore Ravens is doing what you got to do to be able to beat Kansas City when you see him inevitably in the postseason. So I think because of that, Brown's going to have a big game. Obviously, you're playing Mark Andrews. There's no question about that. I think the only question is, what running back do you play for the Ravens? Again, if you have to play one, it still has to be Mark Ingram. He's still playing more snaps. He's still the starter. But you can't, it's really hard to trust. Is, is there a running back on the Ravens that has a very good chance to score against Washington this week? Yeah. Who that's going to be? <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. I have Mark Ingram ranked as running back 30. He's the only one I'm going to consider playing in the flex if I have to. And you may have to this week, given some of the surprises, some of the injuries that we have out there. So you may have to, unfortunately. But, man, yeah, you don't feel good about it. He, other than week one, he hasn't even gotten double-digit carries. I do, like I said, this game, I think, is going to be a tone setter for Baltimore moving forward for the rest of the season, a bounce-back game. So I do think we're going to learn a lot about Baltimore in this game against Washington moving forward. I do. So we're going to keep our eye on it, but whew, it's really hard to trust. You can't play Antonio Gibson in this game, and that's that's all I'm going to say. But you just, you just can't. I don't think there's going to find any running room in this game. Terry McLaurin's the only guy I'm going to possibly contemplate as far as Washington goes. So we're going to move on to the Arizona game, the Carolina game. This could be a shootout. It really could be. These are two good offenses, two defenses that are vulnerable at times. I think Arizona's defense is a little bit better, but they have been vulnerable at times, especially over the middle of the field. Interesting note, and this just came through my desk now. DeAndre Hopkins didn't practice yesterday the ankle injury that that we knew yesterday but what we didn't know is whether or not it was just something he was listed with so he would get a, a veterans day off on a wednesday or if it was something that we actually have to be concerned about well we find out today is something we actually have to be concerned about because he's not practicing today either now it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to miss he could come back and practice tomorrow or he, i mean the other happens type of guy he might even miss practice tomorrow and could still play on sunday but he him missing practice today makes him genuinely a questionable tag moving forward without a doubt. So I really like Kyler Murray still. I really like Kenny and Drake still. We have to watch what's going on with Hopkins. If he plays, he's a wide receiver one. But it's going to be tough. Now, against Carolina, it doesn't really matter. I don't, Hopkins doesn't need to be out there for Kyler Murray to be a top-six performer. We have him at number six this week. And if Hopkins isn't out there, I think that would provide a boost to Kenyon Drake. I know he was disappointing last week against the Detroit Lions. It's been disappointing the way they've been utilizing him. And it's just, it's just because it's more to do with the fact that just the offense is just flowing through Kyler Murray, whether it's the running game or the passing game, is flowing through Kyler Murray. The silver line with Kenyon Drake is he's still getting the volume. Physically, he looks fine to me. 
it's a matter of time before he starts getting more involved in the passing game. And I think that's going to be the key. He's got to start getting more targets. He's got, he's got to start getting more involved there for fantasy purposes. I think that's going to come. DeAndre Hopkins is not going to be double-digit targeted every single week. It's not going to be able to happen. This is a great match against Carolina. Stay the course. I believe Kenyon Drake will finish as an RB1 this week. I know he burned me last week, but I'm staying true to that. I like the talent. I like the matchup. I like the volume. Play Kenyon Drake with confidence. And don't sell on him yet if you have him. Better days are going to be ahead. I'm telling you that right now. Other than that, you're not playing Fitz. We don't know if Christian Kirk's going to play. I'm not going to play Isabella if he doesn't. And he's still not a tight end you can really trust. So on the Carolina side of the ball, what do you do? Well, Teddy Bridgewater is kind of outside the streaming territory for us. Although I wouldn't be surprised if he's able to have a decent game. But I think you know you're going to play Mike Davis as an RB2. And you know that you're going to play Robbie Anderson as a wide receiver too. I don't know if I have to play DJ Moore. In fact, he's not a must play for me this week. I have him as a wide receiver four. Robbie Anderson is the number one wide receiver in Carolina. They may be pretty even as far as targets go by the end of the season because this is the offense that spreads the ball out. But because DJ Moore is not a threat to score a touchdown, he may have no more than four or five at most on the season. Robbie Anderson is the guy who's going to score. He is the big play guy. He is the more valuable guy. If I've got a choice, rest of season, DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson, it's hands down, without hesitation, Robbie Anderson for me. He's a good wide receiver. He's always been a good wide receiver who's been in a lousy situation for most of his career. He's in a good one now. Teddy Bridgewater has shown that he can throw a nice deep ball when the opportunity presents itself. So Robbie Anderson has his full arsenal. And he's been very good every single week. I trust in his floor because of his ability to score more so than anything else than DJ Moore's. And this is a tough matchup. Patrick Peterson, Byron Murphy, they have corners that can take these guys away. So DJ Moore is not a must play for us. Now, I don't know how many of you are going to have better options. So that's where that kind of comes into a tussle. But if you do, he's not a must-play for us. And I would rather have Robbie Anderson the rest of this season than DJ Moore. And that's not going to be a popular thing to say, but it's staring you right in the face with the way this offense is playing, with the way Robbie Anderson is playing, with the limitations of what DJ Moore's role is in this offense. Plain and simple. He was a bus guy coming for me into the season. That hasn't changed. So we move on. We go to Minnesota. We go to Houston. This could be another high-scoring game. In fact, I expected it to be. Kind of like Minnesota-Tennessee last week, 31-30. I could see plus 60 points in this game quite possibly. I'll, I'll mention it again. The great thing about Minnesota is that they played Tennessee and no, nobody got infected because they've gone through multiple tests now and nobody has come back positive. So they got back into their facility today in case you weren't here for the early half of this show. So that's the great news for them. Obviously, you play Dalvin Cook. Great matchup. You have to play Adam Thielen. And I think you even have to play Justin Jefferson. Now, I'm still a little uneasy about this because it was only one game. And until this past game, he had not been involved at all. 
But I do buy into this being his coming out party. I do buy into the idea that the Vikings had to get a second receiver involved. And I do buy into the idea that their offense, especially throwing the football, is going to have to be much higher volume because their defense cannot stop anyone. Anyone. So I think there's going to be enough volume for both Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson to be must-starts this week. And I think Dalvin Cook, I mean, obviously, I think think Kirk Cousins, that's what I meant to say. I think Kirk Cousins is a streaming quarterback this week. He's in my top 15. Against this Houston offense? Absolutely. Does he always have that Kirk Cousins thing where he could just bomb out for no reason? Yeah. But he had that a couple weeks ago. He had a good game last week. I don't see why Minnesota's not going to do what they want to do offensively this week. Remember, Houston, they didn't sign Earl Thomas. So this is still the same Houston defense that you can take advantage of every single week. And coming back the other way, because Minnesota can't take away anybody, Houston's offense is going to be able to put up a ton of points. So both of these offenses are going to have to score, outscore the other one in order for their team to win this game. That's why I love fantasy matchups like this. On the Houston side of the ball, Deshaun Watson, for the first time this season, is ranked inside of our top 10. He had a rough start to the season, a rough rough schedule. I knew it was going to be a while before Deshaun Watson could take off. That's why I had him as a guy that you should buy low on. Because from here on out, Houston has a great schedule for their offense players. Great schedule. So I love Deshaun Watson as a QB1 from here on out. David Johnson, obviously, got to play him. RB2, solid RB2. Will Fuller, you got to play him. Brandon Cooks, you have to play him. I know two out of the three weeks so far this season, he hasn't been very involved. Again, look at the matchup. And I'll say this, he was impressive against Baltimore. He had 95 yards in that game. Brandon Cooks is a very good wide receiver against Minnesota. Everyone can eat. That includes Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb is actually going to be in a flex conversation too for us this week. Jordan Atkins is going to be in the streaming tight end conversation for us this week. Now, the one thing I'll quickly say about Jordan Atkins, if you are looking to stream him, he is somebody that I'm a little worried about because you still have Darren Fells there seemingly vulturing him in the end zone. So he kind of has a limited ceiling when it comes to that, but I expect him to be involved in this offense. I expect him to be able to get his share too. But Randall Cobb, you can play as a wide receiver three. Brandon Cooks, you can play as a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three. And Will Fuller, as long as he stays healthy, which there's some question marks as to whether he truly is right now. It's kind of weird, Um, but we expect him to play. He's practicing. So as long as he stays healthy, he has the upside of a wide receiver one, but he's definitely a high-end wide receiver two in this matchup. And everyone can eat in this game because of the volume that we expect there to be in a high-scoring matchup. Everyone. Duke Johnson's still limited in practice. We don't know if he's going to play. So fire up David Johnson as a bell cow yet again this week. So that's going to wrap it up for our early week four matchup previews. Again, remember all the games that we talked about today, we will go over and update you on all the injuries in tomorrow's show. Actually, I think we're going to kick the show off with that right after we recap the Thursday night game. But before we get into the mailbag segment and before we close out the episode, I want to let you guys know this mailbag segment is brought to you by Manscaped. If you want the best performance for your nether regions, Manscaped is the place for you. They have all the ball care you could ever need, like high-quality trimmers for unwanted hair or ball toner that will leave you smelling fresh all day long. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY for 20% off of your purchase. Your balls will thank you. All right, so for our mailbag segment to kick things off, we had 
Tai Yang, I really hope I'm saying that right. This kind of looks how it spells. Tai Yang from Facebook asked me, do I trade Mike Davis for Will Fuller? Now, he did not specify whether he was the Christian McCaffrey owner or not. I'm going to assume no for this for this question's purposes. And my answer to that is 100% yes. I know Will Fuller at any given time could be hurt and be out for the next month. I understand that with the soft tissue injuries. But with his big play capability, with I just talked about how Houston's offense, how their schedule really opens up from here on out, especially starting with this week, Mike Davis has a shelf life. If somebody is offering you Will Fuller for Mike Davis, and I would assume that would have to be the Christian McCaffrey owner who's doing that, 100%, I am definitely taking that trade. Because I love being able to have Will Fuller as a wide receiver two, wide receiver three in my lineup, who I know can give me wide receiver one level production any given week and win me the week. And he'll have more rest of season value, obviously, than Mike Davis will. Remember, Mike Davis has maybe three more weeks of value tops from this week on. Maybe. So keep that in mind there. So yes, I would definitely do that trade in a heartbeat. Next up, we have Banks from Twitter. He asked me, rest of season... Didn't say what the scoring format was, but it doesn't really matter. Said rest of season, do you value Jerry Judy or you do value Jarvis Landry more? Well, Banks, I'm going to assume that last week was probably the first episode you ever listened to because if you have been listening to me, you know that I don't value Jarvis Landry very much for the rest of the season or right now. Jerry Judy, while he may never be more than a wide receiver three this year just because of the inconsistent play that will be the quarterback position of the Denver Broncos and given that he's a rookie wide receiver, he is going to have games where it's going to be pro game script for him. And he's going to be looking at double digit targets some weeks because he's, he's the last, he's one of the last wide receivers left standing. He is the number one guy. He's a great rounder route runner. He has great hands. I do think he'll get more involved and more consistent as the weeks of the season go on. So yeah, I like Jerry Judy and what his floor is going to be the rest of the season. Then I like Jarvis Landry, frankly, just based on the offenses. Denver's more balanced. They like to run the ball, but Pat Shermer's always going to want to throw the ball too. So that's not what Cleveland is. So yeah, I like Jerry Judy the most rest of the season than Jarvis Landry. Last question I picked out for today was Trey. He actually emailed us. I always like to take the email questions because we don't get a lot of those. Remember, you can email us mdsfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Kind of more of a direct conversation between myself and you. He asked me, <laughs> let me just talk about this a little bit too. He asked me, Cooks or T. Higgins rest of season? Cooks, 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 Cooks. I got a lot of Cooks questions this week. And I guess I understand it. He didn't have a great start to the, the season. I don't know who thought Houston's offense in general was going to, if you ever, if you've ever actually looked at the schedule. Sean Watson hasn't played well either. There's going to be enough volume in this offense. They're going to have to outscore people. They're not going to be in close games. They have a great schedule coming up. Brandon Cooks is going to be more involved. He's a very good wide receiver. He's not hurt. He looked explosive to me when he did have the ball in his hands last week. So I do think he's actually over that quad injury that was also hindering him in the beginning of the season. T. Higgins is a nice player. I really love him down the road. I do think he has all the makings to be a superstar in this league at some point in his career. It's not going to be this season. I know everybody makes a big deal about him running more routes, playing more snaps than A.J. Green, and we talked about that earlier in this show. 
Joe Burrow still wants to throw to AJ Green if he has the opportunity to do so. That's still his number one read. So I like T. Higgins. I think he's somebody that should be rostered if, if you're able to do so. But Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks, is, I yeah, hands down, I want Brandon Cooks the rest of the season. He's going to be a wide receiver, too, in a lot of these matchups coming up. Mark my words. So, yeah, Brandon Cooks all the way, rest of the season. That's going to do it for this show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I hope you guys are helped through some of your tough decisions that you're going to have to make now with, you know, Tennessee and uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, being on bye weeks. Remember to check us out on bellyupfantasysports.com for our updated rankings. We're going to get the rest of those updated for you. We have the half point updated for you right now. Make sure you're checking us out on social media at bellyupmdffshow. Make sure you download the Worldwide Sports Radio Network app on Android or WWSRN on iOS. We're going to be back here tomorrow at the same time, same place, 12 o'clock to 1.30. We're going to be talking about the Thursday night recap. We're going to be talking about the late window of games for week four. And we're going to get you updated on the injuries. And we'll have a mailbag segment for you guys at the end. Make sure you hit us up for that. And I'll possibly put your question and we'll talk about it on the show. But I will answer your question either way. So until then, everyone have a great time, a great day. And we'll see you again all really, really soon. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 